The following is a production of WEGL 91.1 FM. That ball is gone. It's a walk-off home run for Stephen Williams. WEGL Sports. The Tigers are headed to the College World Series. Where every touchdown of Game. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. Lives. And welcome into another edition of the Extra Point here on WEGL 91.1 FM and WEGLFM.com. Hello, everybody. Jared Dillard and joining me from wherever they may be is Alex Houston, Jacob Hillman, and Jack Hart. Uh, Jack, we'll start with you first. How are you doing today on this fine Monday morning? Well, Jared, I've been better, but um, don't have very many complaints. Excited to get this week going, and uh, the beat goes on as we move on into Arkansas Hate Week. Is that a thing? Is Arkansas Hate Week a thing? I mean, I hate them. I'll make it a thing. All right. Uh, Jacob, how about you? How are you doing today? We're on to Arkansas. Fair enough. And Alex, how are you doing this fine morning as well? Uh, You know, I had worse Mondays, so... I mean, really? Yeah, actually. I find that hard to believe, Alex. What? I find that hard to believe. You, you don't, you don't believe me? I mean, I mean, I guess the day after the 2014 national championship is a hard one. I don't think that was a Monday, but it's all, no, it was no, still no. a hard let's, day. Let's, let's just put it in perspective. I witnessed weekends where I've seen Auburn lose and then Washington lose by 40. This week they only lost by 14. So again, I've had worse Mondays. Fair. I'll give you that. Arkansas, of course, because you know. I'll give you that. Uh, welcome to that extra point here on WEGL91.1FM and WEGLFM.com. Uh, just a quick little update. A midnight surprise happened. Uh, the extra point highlights for September dropped on Spotify, iTunes, and such. Just an hour-long highlights of everything that happened in the month of September. Uh, it's a lot of just arguing uh, between each, of, each one of us. So... That's a lot of fun, and that's on uh, your favorite podcast host uh, as we speak right now. So go ahead and give that a listen uh, for probably most the most off-the-wall hour that you'll ever hear about uh, on this show. On top of that, uh, we have a great show lined up. First, going into the Auburn-Georgia recap, and then SEC football, along with NBA Finals, NFL, and then wrapping up with Major League Baseball. But, uh... We knew what was coming for the last about 48 hours, and now we're here. Is that we were going to talk about what happened on Saturday. Uh, and it wasn't... I don't know how many good things you can take away. Maybe two. But there's a lot of bad to unpack. So that is uh, our job. You say one. What yeah. was that, Alex? I mean, the one positive I have from this game. The one positive I have is that Tank's... Tank Bigsby is going to be spectacular. That's the only thing you can really take away from it. And, of course, you could say that Jamie Sherwood was pretty good as well. He played great on defense, but maybe, maybe two then. I'll give you that. Maybe two. But that's just about the only positive I could take away from that. Well, let's uh, – I mean, let's just go ahead and get into it. Let's go ahead and break it down. 
uh, as we get to the extra point. If you want to catch any of our shows, make sure you go to the podcast host, Spotify, I, uh, Apple Podcasts, anything like that, or our YouTube page where the show will be live at the premiere at 3.45 Central Time, 4.45 Eastern, uh, Monday through Thursday. All right. 27-6. That, that was the score. Uh, I, every one of us had the game at least close, I guess, in a sense. I don't think anybody had this. Uh, Auburn's offense was anemic, and the defense was just lost part part of the time. Uh, but I, I guess we'll start it off with the first question that I have on the rundown, which is just what went wrong for Auburn. Alex, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you kick it off. I would say if you look at this game from an objective perspective, you know, just objective viewer of college football, you would say, yes, part of the game is on the fact that the defense played terrible in the first half. However, Kevin Steele has provided a national championship level defense for four years. So if he wants to be a little worse this year, honestly, I'd give him a pass because the offense at some point should figure out how to not be terrible in games against good teams on the road. But again, they've just, I mean, what, this is probably the worst, second worst performance of an, of an Auburn offense we've ever seen, under Gus at least, I mean. What do you, what do you think is the first? Because I have one in mind. What? What do you think is the first? Because I have uh, one in London. mind. 17 Clemson? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that that's the only other one that I can compare it to. And that one, I mean, honestly, was just worse because Jared Stidham can't scramble as much as Bo Nix because if that was the case, Bo probably would have been sacked 11 times on Saturday as well because the offensive line performance was – equal to that against Clemson. And it's just a matter of – and, again, the defense, after allowing 24 points, basically locked Georgia down in the second half. Of course, Georgia played a lot more conservatively because they were up 24 to nothing. But the defense gave the offense opportunities. And, again, they just managed to fail from top to bottom. Again, they just looked unprepared. Everything they did, Georgia seemed ready for. And the offensive line, again – which has been a theme for what the last four years just was bad. And there's not really anything else to say because it's all the same things we've said before, you know, nothing new to me seemed to be an issue with the offense. It was just the same issues that they've had in, in 2017 against Clemson, the same issues they had against Georgia the last two years and the same issues they had Saturday night. So, I mean, the defense had to replace two of the better players of the past decade. And obviously they're not going to be as good. I think we knew that we didn't expect them to be probably as bad as they were in the first half, but again, it's still no excuse for the offense to score six points. So, I mean, that's that. Jacob. Yeah. The, I think you're right about this being, I mean, there's probably a few other offensive performances that can compare with this one. 2016 Georgia, 2014 I think, I think it's not only it, – it, it's a comparison of offensive performance relative to the amount of talent on the field. I mean, yeah. you, you can take a look back, to, yeah, to, to 20 to, – to the to the Athens game, the 7-13 to 13 game, but you're also dealing with a backup quarterback and a really rattle. I mean, but, but the offense ha- had the talent to perform, and I think this case was the same in 2017. I think the point – I'm trying to make here though is that this weekend felt like a must-win game for Gus Malzahn. The way he's performed in Athens these last seven years, 
has just been horrendous. Now, of course, this goes back further than Gus Malzahn. This goes back to Tommy Tupperfield. But you would think that Gus would be able to figure out a way to do it. In 2013, he had one off a miracle. But then in 2017, he dominated number one Georgia. But this was at Jordan-Hare Stadium. That's a lot different. I guess two weeks later, he went into Atlanta, and he got dominated by Georgia. I really – when I look at it specifically, the offense – I mean, yeah, it's kind of obvious. It's just the offensive line. Like Alex said, it's the same problem over the last few four years. I mean, I don't know what's going to be able to change it unless offensive line coach McNell just can somehow wave a magic wand and they get better in the next two or three weeks because obviously the next few weeks are the, are the few weeks that they have a chance to work some kinks out and – you need to be ready for LSU. You know, LSU isn't as good as they were last year, but they're going to be all right. They're probably going to be top half of the SEC, which the way Auburn played on Saturday, it's not going to be enough to be a team that's in the top half of the SEC. So that that I, I, I'm looking ahead, and they have a chance to turn this thing around because of the next three opponents. And I'm not I'm – not, trying to, you know, doubt Arkansas or South Carolina or Ole Miss, but those are the teams that you're going to have to figure it out against. Jack, do you want to brush up uh, yeah, on that? I think, yeah, Jacob made a good point where, I mean, this this seemed like a critical game for Malzahn and that he had an opportunity to do what hadn't been done in 15 years and capitalize on, I'd say, uh, what looked to be going into the game a relatively weak Georgia team, and we're talking about a team that had five points against Arkansas this this past week, in um, and was dealing with an inexperienced quarterback, and it, it it was frustrating because Auburn didn't get any pressure on that inexperienced quarterback. Um, he was he was getting it out of the backfield quickly, and the offensive line of Georgia was doing their job to make sure that, that Stetson Bennett today, I mean, barely got any grass stains on his jersey. So that, that that just seems like a missed opportunity for Gus. I don't know what the game plan is was going in in terms of, of trying to rattle this, this young quarterback and very inexperienced quarterback, I might add. Um, it seems like something that Auburn would be able to capitalize on. And the quarterback battle was already won effectively for Auburn. I mean, they're, they're coming in with a, a one-year veteran, a SEC freshman of the year, uh, all of that. I mean, the, the offense looked like it would, could run all over Georgia just on paper. And then Gus comes in with, with six points on the way end of the day. So just from a, from a meta standpoint of what this means mentally – it just really looks like Gus had an opportunity to pick on a relatively weak or maybe just scared Georgia team uh, and, and do something that hasn't been done since 2005 and winning in Athens and really fumbled the bag there and just kind of adds another tally mark into this idea that Gus Malzahn can't win in big games. Um, I'll also add that while, yeah, we'll, we'll continue to compare this to the Clemson game, but I think Auburn does what Auburn does and, we all remember in 2017 when Auburn was really able to turn the season around. So I think if, if the, if the schedule is fortuitous as it is, as Jacob mentioned with um, Arkansas next week, South Carolina, then Ole Miss down the road, I think 
those games getting progressively more difficult if you just look at it on paper. I think Auburn really has an opportunity to readjust, reassess, and that is going to be the critical aspect of this season is whether or not they can they can translate from practice to live, to live ball and make the adjustments needed to uh, come out ahead of the competition. 39 rushing yards. Alex, you were going to say something? Yeah. Um, I got I got one more thing because, Jacob, you actually reminded me of this a little more as I was thinking you were talking about it, um, the offensive line. And I think that the issue that Auburn has and the issue that Auburn will always have, and I'm not going to call for Malzahn to be fired because that's ridiculous, especially because his buyout is $28 million, and that's just absurd. Even even if I wanted to, that you, I wouldn't ask Auburn to pay that money. But the issue comes down to the fact that Auburn – has at its very core a very flawed recruiting plan and they have not adjusted to it in the past seven years that have going on because if you look at this offense and you look at its receiving core this receiving core is vastly more talented than say the 2013 receiving core because the 2013 receiving core was sammy Coates and ricardo lewis who were good but in terms of overall talent i think seth williams is more talented than both of those players we don't see it because the offense doesn't know how to utilize it because the issue is that in recruiting, Auburn seemingly focuses on getting these playmakers that they will not be able to utilize because their offensive line is essentially useless. They do not recruit a good offensive line to build upon because that's what you need in football, especially with this offense, because the offense thrives when the running game functions. And 39 yards. What? I said 39 yards. Yeah, exactly. That That's not it because they do not recruit for an offensive line. Instead, they recruit for athletes and skill players that they do not utilize they recruit incredible amounts of running backs and they're never going to be able to run the football because they don't have an offensive line to produce for it and then as such it becomes a pass heavy offense because they become one-dimensional which Gus mentioned in the press conference Georgia made them one-dimensional which we all knew and since they do not have an offensive line to protect the quarterback an offensive line to establish the run game they cannot utilize the playmakers they spend so much time recruiting and therefore the team is just not good enough and that's where the issue lies, is the fact that their plan to recruit is not effective, and it hasn't been, because he's been doing it for four years where they haven't had an offensive line, and they have not replaced that offensive line. So, I mean, what's – because, again, I really I really do think that they have more skilled players than they had in 2013 or in 2014, for that matter. Just top to bottom, I think they have more skilled players on the offense, but they can't utilize them because they don't have an offensive line to work behind. And I think that that's the issue, and I think – if this issue persists, and if four years down the line, Auburn continues to fail to win on the road, they have not won on the road in Baton Rouge, Tuscaloosa, or Athens since Gus got here. If that continues, then four years from now, they probably should not resign his contract. That's just the reality of it. I know that's, I know it's always the dramatic thing to say that after one loss and whatnot, but I'm just saying that this pattern cannot be ignored for so long. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no. If we're four years down the road, then we're probably at wit's end with a, a lot of oh, things. Exactly. And that's what I'll, I'm saying. Like, I'll I'm give not going to call that. right now because that would be ridiculous. But I think that we, the facts need to be faced. And the fact is that this is not, you know, oh, we just ran into a good Georgia team again. You know, now it's just now we keep running into good Georgia teams. We just keep failing in Athens for inexplicable reasons, namely the fact that the offense continues. I mean, under Gus, they have scored double digits once, and it was 10 points. So that's just – it's just a reality of the fact that they have failed to recruit to fix the problem, and now the problem keeps persisting. They need an offensive line. They don't have one. I don't know. 
I mean, I, I feel like you have, you have a, a good point about offensive line recruiting. Even I, who don't even follow recruiting as closely as I believe everybody else, sees that Auburn can sometimes be inconsistent with offensive line recruiting. I mean, they recruit well with athletes and skilled players. They recruit very well with defensive players just in general. But offensive line always seemed like, I don't know, it kind of seemed like it was always in the in, 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 in the back of the line when it came to re- recruiting uh needs i guess am i wrong in saying that i mean no you're right because again as the offensive line stands right now you've got a four-star recruit three three stars and a two-star which again stars are not the measure of success necessarily Wait, who's, but, the two, who's the two-star um one of the guards i think the guy that got benched i can't remember his name oh well, that's just sad now interesting i i feel like they the the recruiting strategy might be too much of oh you don't need a really good player because what matters is you know how they mesh as a group and i think that is true you can have a group of two three and four stars and if they work well together it doesn't matter they're they're good enough that it's as long as they're they're solid like you'll be able to make it work Fair. but these guys just have not shown that they work well together exactly and then it forces – because Auburn can't have both step back in the pocket and throw it, you've got to run these screen passes with two 300-pound tight ends in the formation, which if you have two 300-pound tight ends setting up out wide, you know they're not going to – well, even when they do try and throw the ball downfield, nobody's really afraid of hey, it. Hey, Pickens has almost had that catch, okay? Oh, yeah. Again, <laughs> he overthrew him. throw because Bo's, you know, spending half the time running for his life because the offensive line folds, you know. In I mean, two seconds. I mean, it's just... 216 yards, 39 on the ground. I mean, I don't even know the last time Auburn had under 40 rushing yards in a game. And... 2018. Okay. Well, damn. I was uh, like... <laughs> oh. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a tough look for Auburn. Uh... We, we we spent a lot of time on the offense side of the ball. What about defense? I mean, 27 points. I mean, I feel like, I mean, the way the things were going with the, how long the defense was on the field and how much they had to put up with on the offense side of the ball, they did, I guess, average, decent enough. But uh, the defense also uh, gave up 202 rushing yards, and it seemed like Georgia had their way with them. Kind of like how Kentucky did in the first half or at least in, in certain portions of the game uh, in, in that season opener. Uh, what adjustments does the defense need to make other than uh, don't get ejected, right? And uh, make sh- and hope that your best players, you know, are able to, to play the game a la Jalen Simpson, who wasn't able to, to travel with the team. Um. By the way, so that Texas A&M game that I mentioned, Auburn had 21 rushing yards. Don't tell me that. Wait. Correction, they had 19 rushing yards. Point don't nine. tell me that. If it, if it get worse, don't tell me that. I, I just had to let you know. just had to let you know. Um, I mean, for the defense, we saw the adjustments that they could make because they made them in halftime and held Georgia three points for the remainder of the game. But, I mean, again, you know, 27 points to that Georgia offense, especially with the way time of possession was looking in the first half, is not a terrible performance. I think – We've been so used to that. De- I mean, that defense held 
LSU to under 30, which was one of two teams to hold them under 40 last year. You know, LSU scored on everybody. And I think we've been a little spoiled by their performances in the past. This this game against Georgia is, again, by no means a great game or a great performance at all. It's, it was a bad performance. But, I mean, you know, it's going to be a work in progress to figure out the new way this defense is going to work because, you know, a lot of years in, in the past, they could just rush four and that was that because Derek Brown would take on three to four guys, essentially. And, you know, they got to adjust to that. But it definitely didn't, it definitely didn't help them that they uh, – I mean – you lost Smoke Monday, you lost Simpson, and then K.J. Britt was basically injured throughout the entire game. And you could tell. Poor K.J. Britt. He didn't, he didn't want to leave the field. And, like, it was funny, you know, he, he goes to the post-game interview and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, my hand was hurt the whole game and my shoulder went numb, but it was no big deal. And I'm like, are you, are you sure? Sounds like a big deal. But, I mean, you know, you got to respect the heart, I suppose. And, I mean, it's just – the defense is not – I mean, even in a game like this, I don't think the defense is the biggest takeaway for me. But I mean, it, it sounds like – I don't want to compare years to years, right? But it sounds like Stidham's last year, 2018, where the offense sputtered a lot and you heard a lot of rumors. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them at rumors. I'm not going to say they actually happened, but rumors of the defense just being straight up upset about the offense. Like Deshaun Davis, the, the way that you – know, he put a lot of heart into that what that defense was and – it just hurt. It just looked like he was hurting every time they had to go on the field because we're tired. We, we just can't keep doing this. And I'm not saying KJ Brisson to go down that same route, right? But it, it kind of had that same vibe of KJ Brisson to go out there and he's not leaving unless they get, you know, Georgia to punt or they cart him off the field because the man was on the ground a lot in the second half with injuries. But, uh, I mean, you just can't not feel bad about what that Auburn defense is going through, especially the, the the leaders and veterans, because, you know, things can get a little bit upsetting uh, when you see that kind of performance on both sides of the ball. And uh, that can definitely change your locker room. Yeah, I think, I think getting off the field was huge. Another thing, it seemed like Georgia didn't punt at all in the first half, despite having a lot of third downs in play. So I, I just think the defense was frankly outsmarted by by um, the offense of Georgia, and it, it it made it made the defensive job exponentially more difficult, having to repeatedly come back out after already being winded after yet another three and out from the offense. So uh, the problems compounded after the opening drive, and they didn't seem to slow down until the team could catch its breath at halftime. And when you play in a league like the SEC, you just can't allow that to happen. Yeah, either. Is there anything else about Auburn football that we want to get into? I mean, we spent we spent a good twenty minutes on it, and I don't know if your stomachs can. I mean, I think most of us are over it, but still, it's it's not easy to digest again what we saw on Saturday. Uh, is there anything else, or do you want to bring up some good stuff that happened with Auburn football? Uh, I mean, is there is there? I, mean, I was just yeah. saying what. Vermont, please tell me anything good about Auburn football. Well, Bigsby, right? We all love him, right? He's essentially carried. Uh, we all love our our new prototype weapon on offense, JJ Pegasus, right? Big boy, I guess. Yep. Uh, the defense did hold them to three points in the second half. Now, whether that was Georgia just parking the bus and just running up the time, or you know, whatever. 
there's that, right? Uh, we saw a different punter. I didn't know who that was for a second. Chapman. Did we see him in the Kentucky game at all? I don't know. I believe I believe Aiden Marshall was replaced in the middle of the Kentucky game by Oscar Chapman. Okay. I didn't know who that was. So I was like, ooh, new blood. Uh, they both had punts uh, against Georgia. Um, Alex, did Gus mention at all why there was two punters? Um, or that kind of just went over everybody's head. I didn't even ask that. There were more pressing concerns. And, of course, you know, yeah. Gus, Gus had to let us all know that the offense will get better. And I was like, well, Gus, you said that in uh, 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. So, Did the offense get better, Alex, after you said it? Um, in 2018, I would say no. In 2019, I would also say no, except for against Bama. In 2017, he was correct. And in 2016, well, I mean, I would say definitely not. So, one for four. That's 25%. And if we're in baseball, that's 250. That's decent. <laughs> I'm just saying. But I mean, this is football. Oh, well. And 25%. I can't think of anything, any stat in football where 25% is good. Drop back rate. I mean, I don't know. That that'd be like that'd be like a percentage. Like you're getting first downs on like twenty five percent of like plays. Maybe that'd be it. Like, if, yeah, that's, but that's that's, not, that's, that's a very unusual deep. stat. Yeah, exactly. You don't hear that, so it's like you know, that, it's like that's that Microsoft next gen stats to be used on a Sunday Night Football or something like that. I mean, that. It's like you know, Tom Brady's won a Super Bowl in twenty five percent of his seasons. So like, there's your metric. But even that, well, again, not a stat. If it makes you guys feel better on this Monday morning, Auburn has opened up as 16.5-point favorites at home against Arkansas. The game at 4 Eastern, 3 Central on SEC Network. Auburn, according to ESPN, what is this, FPI? Yep, FPI, 89.1% chance to win. Uh, so, look, if one thing's been certain, Auburn always shows up on Arkansas. Uh, so maybe I mean the the one game that I remember about Auburn Arkansas. I mean yeah, there was the one time that we completely what was it like fifty six to three at home or something like that, completely backhanded them. Uh, yeah. One game I remember what, what what was the road double overtime loss that we had. That was um, four overtime. Oh God! Um, yeah. Ricardo Lewis dropped the game winning catch. I was a. I was calling an Auburn softball, Auburn University. That's how long ago this was. Weagle still had Auburn University softball. And I was doing a fall. Jerry was in college game. and we were all in middle school. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Wherever you were in 2015, uh, during that game, I was at Weagle and Weagle still had Auburn softball on the broadcast. And I was doing a fall preseason game. Uh, I believe it was against Chipola College, which I called Chipotle once on the air. Uh, cause that was a mess up on my part and between innings, they would put the game up on the video board at Jane B Moore. And, uh, I just remember watching Auburn just completely fumbling the bag on the road. Yeah. But those are my, those are my two instances that I remember. Oh, I guess it's around nine 30. Cause here comes the cat. Oh, there she goes. Uh, but is there anything else about Auburn? I mean, I think we've everybody said it all. We're on to Arkansas. We're on to yeah, Arkansas. Then again, Arkansas did just shut down KJ Costello, so time time to freak out, everybody. Well, let's let's talk about for one game. Let's talk about the SEC as we turn over to 
the rest of the conference, just breaking down some scores. Uh, Alabama, uh, decent win, I guess, 52-24 to 24 over Texas A&M. Uh, Florida, 38-24 over South Carolina. Arkansas, 21-14 over number 16 Mississippi State. LSU bouncing back 41-7 over Vanderbilt. Tennessee, 35-12 over Missouri. And probably in the, in the in the best game of the weekend, at least just viewing-wise, Ole Miss, a 42-41 win in overtime on the road against Kentucky. So, it seems like the SEC, at least this week, was a lot less chaotic. Um and mellowed out. But what was kind of your takeaways from the conference as a whole this past weekend? What what I'll say is it feels like a lot of teams, you know, we kind of see what they're actually made of. You look at South Carolina. I mean, what the hell was that last drive? You look at that's that's South Carolina football. That was that was no clock management compounded by receivers with cinder blocks for hands. And then you look elsewhere, Auburn, Georgia, obviously we've discussed that. Then you have the Ole Miss-Kentucky game, which I think that shows that Lane Kiffin is, has, has his team ready to compete with anybody. I mean, they they based, they competed with Florida last week. Mississippi State-Arkansas, I mean, Arkansas actually has heart. And then Alabama-Texas A&M. We kind of ex- we kind of knew what to expect out of Texas A and M. I, I don't know. We, we we actually doubt Texas A and M like you should. I mean, so. look. If if there's one thing that that we can at least agree on is that A and M is never as good as what. Yep. They seem, I guess, or at least that they're portrayed as in polls, and that they'll always I... fall back to reality eventually. I saw somebody post during the game, this huge college football page, they posted how I've never seen a quarterback regress as badly as Kellen Mond. And I'm watching this game thinking to myself, this is the same Kellen Mond I saw two years ago. But for some reason, everybody else has convinced themselves that he's going to, ne- you know, become the greatest quarterback ever for some reason. But he's just been perfectly mediocre for four years. And so is Texas a and and I'll never really understand why nobody can figure that out. It's like – I mean – it's the same. It's the same thing with like Auburn fans' infatuation with backup quarterbacks. I like never really understand it completely, and the same thing applies to the media's infatuation with Texas A and M and them. Not I mean, here's the thing: they have all like they've got the money. They've got Jimbo Fisher. They have an experienced quarterback. It's it. They should be good. They should be able to compete with the top tier of the SEC, but they just don't. I mean, they, they they have everything that they said. Like Jack said, they got they got the facilities, they got that oil money, that oil money. All right, and they have I'll nothing to show for it. I'll make a comparison, and this is just it feels like this team is just held back by its average quarterback play because it reminds me of like Alabama in like two thousand and. I'm going to say ten, where they've got this incredibly talented group of receivers as Alabama did for so long. And they just didn't have a good quarterback. Texas a does not have nearly a good enough defense, which is why they're worse. But it just comes down to why I feel like their quarterback consistently holds back their offense from taking the next but step. In, in the last four years, have they not found a quarterback that was better than Kellen Mond? That is the question. Is like, why on earth are they sticking with it? I mean, and, I guess I get a, at a certain point, you just either either love the pain or 
you just you, you just stick through it no matter what. But there has to be there has to be another quarterback that stepped on campus that was better than Kellen Mond if he is as bad as you know advertised. I mean, we've well, see, seen- I think that's a thing. I don't think Mond's been terrible. I just think he's been you know inconsistent, just Painfully very average. steady. Yeah, it, he's average, so you, you can't really. You like you should exactly like it's hard it's hard to bench him because you kind of look it's like I mean what has he done wrong it's like well we just haven't taken the next step whereas in in, you know when you see quarterbacks get benched it's because they go out and throw five interceptions Kelman doesn't do that he just doesn't go and throw for. 300 plus yards and three touchdowns when he needs to. And I mean, there are times where Kellen Mond keeps him in the game because of his leg or that one yeah. good pass that he makes. Uh, the situation maybe isn't all Kellen Mond. It's just that that team is just cursed of being the eight and four lifestyle, I guess. I think it's important to remember. I mean, you know, we think Jimbo Fisher, we think the Florida State National Championship game and all that stuff. After that game, he, I mean, look at all the quarterbacks that he brought in to replace Jameis. They were all pretty awful. Now, you that can blame the Florida State offensive line for being bad as well. You can. But, I mean, he showed a clear problem with his recruiting after the fact. And, like, he didn't leave Florida State in, like, you know, glorious, oh, I'm retiring at the top of my game thing. He left Florida State kind of, you know, Urban in the, Meyer. In the basement? Because that's where they're currently Ooh, at right now. I was going to say. Alex, I, I, he he left them in, as a dumpster fire. Yeah, exactly. He left and them very still, much. They still have not recovered. Yeah, I mean, he left them very much in an Urban Meyer from Florida standpoint. It, like it wasn't at the top of his game. It was very much, you know, ran and hiding. Oh, I, I think I think it's even worse than comparison. Yeah, I, I think I say. think it's worse than Florida because I mean, okay, he, he lit I, the building on fire I, and left. I blame I blame Muschamp a lot more for what happened in the years following than I blame Urban Meyer for. That's that's fair. I was just saying it more in the fact that, you know, he didn't leave because he was, you know, he was retiring. He left because the team was going down and he didn't want to be down with the ship because Florida, the years after Tebow were awful. Like, I remember they were good and people were like, oh my gosh, they're going to be good. And then Bama hung 50 on them in Gainesville and it was like, okay, we're in trouble. And then Urban Meyer's like, I got to go. I was thinking more of the fact that they just sort of left before Colin fire and sure Muschamp brought it back for a year and then it fell apart again. But like, that's just what I was thinking from it. I will agree though. Florida state is in a much sorry state than Florida was after urban Meyer. It's just the same pattern, I suppose. You know, speaking of the rest of college football, there were some other upsets. TCU, the 33 to 31 victory over Texas. Big 12 is already eliminated pretty much at this point when it comes to the college football playoff, it seems like, uh, because on top of that, Oklahoma got upset again because you go to Iowa State, you get these hands. 37 to 30 victory. So when they lose next, is it still an upset? Which I guess it's Texas, so no, but. Who does? Is, who, they, is that this weekend? Texas, is, Oklahoma? Yeah. It is. Awesome. There's some good games this weekend, I got to say. Uh, Miami, Clemson. We'll Miami, see if Miami's Mi- real. <laughs> We're picking Miami Clemson. We're picking Florida A&M, which does, like, to us probably doesn't sound like a good game, but Florida's only a seven-point favorite on the road, which is okay, Florida had some That's holes. crazy. Yeah. Florida had some holes on South Carolina. Are they holes that know. A&M, I think, is going to plug? Absolutely not. But yeah. Florida, well, Florida looked a little less unbeatable on Saturday when if, South Carolina kind of attempted to drain the swamp. If you want a weird upset, Florida A&M's your bet because I can see that game going sideways for no no apparent reason at all. 
I mean, if anything, I, see- I mean, the SEC is, has lost its mind if you saw what transpired in Lexington this past weekend. I, I just don't see Kyle Trask. Like, I think Kyle Trask is going to be the player of the year. I think he's going to be in New York. I think he's going to win the Heisman this year. And I really think that he's going to carry Florida wait, to wait, the back SEC up. championship. I, I didn't game. hear that correctly. What did you say? I think Kyle Trask is going to win the Heisman. One more, wait, I, one more time? For, Kyle for, for the homies win, in the back. For the homies in the back. Kyle Trask is going to win the Heisman. He is my Joe Burrow. I love it, though. Okay. I love that. I love it. So, he is my Joe Burrow. I, I would say I'll ride with you. I ride with you. I would say two things. One, I think in regards to Florida, you can really realize how bad that defense is by looking at South Carolina's last drive and looking that in spite of themselves, South Carolina was still able to move the football despite the fact that they tried their best to fail and Florida still couldn't stop them until they literally got in their own way to the extreme. And as for Trask, I mean – I think the testament will be when he plays Georgia because, you know, it's always – Heisman's always a Heisman favorite until he plays a good defense. Like, think about Fournette. Like, Fournette was always the favorite until he ran into Bama and couldn't do anything. So, if Trask is good in every other game of the year, but, you know, throws 200 yards, two picks, and one touchdown against Georgia, he probably will not win it. Yeah, and I, I think it's just, you know, it's early on. And early on, stats is the best indicator of, like, okay, this guy might have a chance at the end of the year. And I mean, seventy-one completion percentage, six hundred eighty-four yards, and ten touchdowns in two games. Pretty good. He's a stud. I'm not gonna lie. You know, he's also a and stud. Connect- Who's that? Kyle Pitts. That's exactly That's, what I was yeah. gonna say. If, if we're looking at with Kyle Pitts, is insane. If we're looking at non-quarterback Heisman contenders, Kyle Pitts is my pick. Dude, I would love to see a tight end in New York. That'd be awesome. Yes, sir. I believe Kyle Pitts, what, he scored his sixth touchdown of the season last week? He has 12 he receptions. Five total, last well, five touchdowns total last season, and he has six already? Yes. He has scored more touchdowns himself than the Auburn offense. Hey, come, come on, Jared. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, other is games. Houston, <laughs> is Houston playing? Unnecessary. Jared. Houston's playing this weekend for now, but we'll we'll keep an eye on what's gonna happen in Houston. Yeah, yeah we'll shall see. Uh, that's that's just sad, man. The funny thing is, Houston is the Thursday game. They're not even playing Saturday. They're playing Thursday, so we'll know if uh if things go sideways in Houston. They're playing Tulane. It's Houston's season opener, home opener, on October eighth if they're allowed to play. So let's go, let's go, Cougars. Other games we're picking this weekend. There's also Tennessee, Georgia, which, hey, I mean that's that Georgia has a little bit of history behind a, it. Georgia opened up as a two touchdown favorite in that one, which I don't 100 percent agree with, but maybe see, you can win some money on that. We'll see what Tennessee is made of. You no, know, it's, it's been it's been several years where you know at the top 15 matchup Tennessee, don't look. It's about time. Yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, it's been several years of Tennessee. Like, oh, it's their year. I'm just – I think yeah. this is their best chance. This I'm worried about chance. what's going to happen when Garantano gets his cage rattled because we haven't seen that at all this season. I would say that I think it will be close just because Tennessee is always good for one close game against some SEC East rival. Then they, you know, get clobbered by Bama and lose to a bunch of teams they shouldn't lose to. And then they end up being like – Eight and four again. I will say that this is probably the first year in a very long time that Tennessee has a better quarterback than Georgia. 
That's fair. That that is. Then again, I mean, every for every great Garantano moment, there's you know that one where you're like, eh, hey, he called know. his own number, Alec. You gotta respect <laughs> exactly. the hustle. That exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking of. I gotta Thank see. You. I gotta see more uh, out of Bennett than me being depressed sitting in the dark. Yeah. To to, to to make that comparison. I mean, Bennett didn't didn't end the world on Saturday, but he also didn't face. He ended any. my he ended my world. My world was shattered. I don't know what to do with myself. Kind of, I think he got pressured maybe once, hit the dirt maybe once. Uh, another game that's happening, we have Miami-Clemson, but there's also another sneaky ACC matchup that's going to determine a lot. That's number 19, Virginia Tech, and number 8, yes, number 8, don't look now, North Carolina, who barely yeah. escaped, uh, I believe, what, they played Boston College? Boston College. And it, Wow. I thought you were going to say Pitt, Jerry. No, we don't bring up Pitt anymore. All right, they let me down. Okay, no, Pitt. I, you know, picking Pitt is the easiest thing ever. When they play a ranked team, you should pick them to win. If they play an unranked team, pick them to lose. They yeah. lost. They lost with a minute to go. Pitt was my. They lost, eight... on, an, they lost on an unbelievable play. If That's if you true. want to take any solace in that, that was a crazy pass by NC State in the corner of the end. Look, when unranked Pitt meets Miami in two weeks, you already know who I'm picking. All right, Jerry, what, what do you expect when you play QBU? Oh, that game's in Miami too. Pit on the road. Mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. They're like reverse Iowa State. Narduzzi's got the secret sauce when it comes to ranked teams. Yeah, it's a, it's all in the jerseys. They're slick. Pit Miami's scary. We know what happened last time Miami was ranked very high, and Pit played them. Do we? What Wait, what? Happened? I remember. I don't I remember. remember that. Miami was like Miami was like number. Three or four, they were like in the college football playoff, and Pitt beat them. I watched that, I watched that game with a Miami fan, and then and it was, it and then they lost thirty-eight to three to Clemson in the ACC championship. Yeah, well, look, we don't want to talk about we don't talk about the bad parts. Um, oh my gosh. I'm trying to figure out is there, is there any other takeaway from college football uh, that happened this past week? Uh, uh, UCF no, lost. UCF did tumble out the polls. They went from unranked yeah. to number eleven to unranked again. I, believe. I think Oklahoma State found their offense, albeit against Kansas, but you don't hang 47 points on anybody. Well, people do it on Kansas a lot. Coastal Unless Carolina has entered the chat. <laughs> I don't know how many points they scored, but they, they put up a I will say, number. if we can leave this weekend with one thing, let's just say this. Spencer Rattler's the worst uh, Oklahoma quarterback in the last four years. <laughs> I mean, far. Oklahoma's unranked. So if, if Auburn has any solace, at least Auburn's still thirteenth. I don't yeah. know if we if we all agree with thirteen, right? But we ain't, I mean, we ain't unranked. Let's just say at least Auburn lost to a top four team. Yeah, I was top. And, I always say it's top four in my heart. Does that count? I mean, Iowa State at home is probably the number one team in the country, but that's a whole other issue entirely. They are. When so Iowa the State wins the Big Twelve. Announces that the that the Sugar Bowl is moving to Ames. You just <laughs> you just watch out. You better watch out. You don't I want mean, that smoke. That, that is honestly like that's it though because like I always take it easily go like they go twelve and zero a year get in the playoff and just get smacked because it's going to be a road game technically. But if they were if they manage to get the playoff in Ames, bro, pick them by forty. It doesn't matter. I need to now that Pitt's out of my you know out of my heart right now. Iowa State is second. In the Big Twelve, 
because their one loss was not in conference. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State are the only undefeated teams left in the Big 12, which means I'm off the pit train. I'm now on the Iowa State uh, Big 12 championship train. So, let's Watch go. them win the Big 12. I'm just, and they could be in the playoff except for their one loss to Louisiana. Go the Raging Cajuns. That's what, that's what the Big 12 deserves. That's the, that's, <laughs> that's the Big 12 in general. Uh, I agree. Oh, my goodness. That's well, hilarious. let's get off of college football and let's go to the NBA. Game three was last night and the Heat. The night, they ain't dead yet. 115 to 104 victory over LeBron Lakers and the Lakers. Lakers are in trouble. And, and Jimmy said that LeBron told him at the end of the first quarter that the Heat were in trouble. And Jimmy just said right back when they when he pretty much just said scoreboard and said, You're in trouble, pretty much. After Ooh, he dropped scoreboard. a <laughs> after he dropped a forty point triple double uh en route to a to a double digit win, which I think was big. Uh now to be fair, the game was a lot closer than it it, it the final was, right? Because it was like a four point game with like two minutes ago and then the heat just went on a nice run to end it. Uh, but they were in control. I mean, they outscored the Lakers in every single quarter. And I think you gotta get you gotta tip your hat to the Heat because they are without Bam Adebayo. They are without Drogic. And Butler played the game of his life and they won. So I guess uh game four, which should be tomorrow. Yeah, it is tomorrow night. Tomorrow, Lakers seven and a half point favorite, nine Eastern, eight central on ABC. I guess my question becomes to the group Are the Lakers in fact in trouble? No. I'll say they're in trouble, but I won't say it's really I the Lakers are gonna win the series, but I think it's it's gonna become a lot closer than what we thought. You know, it could still be a gentleman sweep. But I think that the Heat, you know, that that gave him a big boost that game three, and I think Jimmy Butler is gonna carry this team on his back if he has to. And I think that as long as they get if they get Bam back, I mean, I, I thought Bam would play game three, but he didn't. So get him back. You never know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we know that Drogic and Adebayo did not play yesterday. I don't know, like, if they were close to coming back in in last night's game or what their timetable is. Obviously, you're keeping that close to your chest because you want the Lakers to prepare for them in case they do come back. Um, but I'm going to feel a lot better about this Heat team if they can get one of those two guys back uh, and, and healthy and healthy. Not rushed back, healthy, right? Um, for the Lakers... I mean, once, because the Lakers had some kind of weird stat where it's like, if they scored, if the Lakers scored 100 points, they were undefeated. And this is one of the games where they they got outmatched, outclassed, outplayed. And they have another weird status, like, if they're entering the fourth quarter with the lead, they're like something in one. Like, it's it's some crazy stat that the Lakers Actually, have. Actually, um, they had, I believe the stat was that they had never lost when they entered the fourth quarter with the lead. Now they have. So did they have the lead in the fourth quarter, or when they, when they entered the fourth quarter? Wait, maybe they didn't. In that case, then they're still undefeated. But that's that's the secret right there. That's the secret. Yeah. Uh, I mean, go ahead. I was gonna say just that. I mean, if 
the Heat have to win this game, and if they don't, I think the series is over. I mean, if they win, if they win Game Four, it puts all the pressure on the Lakers and puts them on their heels. And by that point, all the momentum is with Miami. But if they lose Game Four, I really don't see this series becoming anything other than a gentleman sweep at this point. I mean, I know we talk about Butler's forty-point triple-double, but give a shout out to uh, your second-leading scores and Kelly Olynyk who put in a good 31 minutes, and Tyler Hero, uh, both having 17 points apiece. Olenek shooting 3 of 5 from the field. And then you had your your role players, well, I say role players, but your starters, and Duncan Robertson and Jay Crowder putting a double digits as well. Uh, they played well while limiting Anthony Davis to 15 points on 6 of 9 shooting. Uh, that That's where that came in. Anthony Davis only had 15 points. Uh, he shot well, and uh, I'm going to be fair, uh, I watched the Sunday Night Football game instead of the NBA Finals, which I don't know why I did that to myself. Um, but I don't know the reason why Davis only got nine shots up. But I have to assume that's 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 contributed to the Heat game plan that they put out for Davis, and that they want to make sure that if you're gonna if you're gonna beat us, it's gonna be LeBron and his his goonies, right? It's not gonna be Anthony Davis. It's gonna be LeBron and and and, and his squad that he has behind him. In fairness, he was in foul trouble early. That was why he didn't play as many minutes. But as for not getting his shots, I mean, why on earth is Kyle Kuzma and one of the Morris brothers taking 13 shots each? I mean, they both went 6 for 13. That's fine. but It's called, a, it's called being balanced. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, Danny Green's going 0 for 6. Contavious Caldwell-Pope is going 1 for 5. At a certain point, are you going to learn to just stop giving them the ball? I mean, Danny Green's been bad the entire playoffs. He hasn't been good once. So that, that leads me to ask, did y'all see what Charles uh, Barkley said uh-oh. about the Lakers? Oh, uh-oh. I, I missed, I, 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 I ran past it when scrolling. All, all I saw is Jimmy Butler comment, which was like, have you went to the barber yet in the bubble? And Jimmy, oh, Butler, no, no. It, Jimmy Butler was like, not that's that. not a question. It's, it's about the Lakers. And Charles said, it's 80 LeBron and a bunch of Jags. Just another guy. And he said, I mean, it, Man, it's kind of true. Like That's some disrespect on, what, on Rondo, you know, though. What Alex is saying is basically that. I mean, is he not? I have a weird relationship with Rondo. because Apparently, Rondo's just... brother owns the barbershop in the bubble to relate your two <laughs> comments together. <laughs> Excuse me? Rondo's brother runs the barbershop. I remember hearing that. Oh, no. So that's why All Jimmy's right. not going because he's afraid he's going to get nicked. Exactly, that's the <laughs> I mean, conspiracy. In fairness to all the arguments you're making, like what Jacob just said, I mean, look, at the end of the day, and I don't want to make this comparison, but it's an accurate comparison with, say, the Bulls in the '90s. You had Scotty, you had Jordan, you had Kukoc, and Jordan shot it 30 times a game because he knew he was the best player on offense. And the other guys got it, but in reality, there you were not given a guy to go 0 for 6, 6 shots. You weren't giving two other players 13 shots because in reality, the two best players on the floor are LeBron and Anthony Davis. And they- Yeah, well, here's the thing. Having a bunch of Jags, like he says, is one thing, but they have to – you have to use them correctly, and they are not used correctly. Like, yeah. like you were saying, why are they shooting the ball so much? That's not what needs to happen. They need to, they need to make enough shots to where – they are, you know, respected, and the the Heat have to pay them a little bit of attention 
and then they have to make good defensive plays and pass the ball well. Other than that, they shouldn't be shooting the ball a ton. Yeah. I think this offense really doesn't work if LeBron and AD are not taking a lot of shots because when AD takes a lot of shots, he tends to make them. He's a very efficient scorer. He always has been and always will be at this point. And when he takes a lot of shots in the paint, it draws a lot of attention away from those shooters in the corner, which gives them more wide open opportunities. Again, Danny Green hasn't hit anything so far. So wide open or not, doesn't really matter. But still, it allows for that to happen. And I just, I think there's, I mean, you saw it with Miami. I mean, Jimmy Butler took 20 shots. And again, Kelly Olenna contributed 17. But again, Butler was the guy. He wasn't going to, you know, kick it out to Duncan Robinson for 20 shots. He gave him 12 and he still didn't do that great. But again, he was going to limp, you know, it was, we're going to flow through Jimmy Butler and everybody else is going to happen because of him. And this felt more like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It's odd because I mean, when the Lakers are good, they look unbeatable. When they look bad, it's like, man, this offense just looks so mundane and broken. I mean, there's a couple of guys in the Lakers who need to pick up their game. I mean, Rondo, who's played decently well throughout the whole final, didn't have his best game. He only scored four points, five assists, eight rebounds in 28 minutes. I mean, Rondo has to play better than what he put out last night if they're gonna if they're gonna win the series convincingly. Uh, your guys like Caruso, who had eight points, but he's been shooting. He's had a tough time shooting lately, uh, and he's playing 26 minutes a game. Uh, he's he's out there a, a decent amount, and I know that he, he's there a lot for you know defensive purposes. He plays scrappy defense, but these guys got to start scoring. Your second leading scores can't be Kuzma Morris. If that's happening, right? If they're the second leading scores behind LeBron, there's a problem somewhere. Uh, but you know, maybe yeah. maybe the Heat found it out. I mean, Eric Spoelstra is one of the smartest coaches in the NBA. I mean, he is. The, the man deserves a lot more props than he has given every single I mean, year. That, that's why he's the second longest tenure coach in the league. Yeah, exactly. Like, this man is this man is smart. Any any other twenty nine organizations, Jesus, that's bright. Any other twenty nine organizations would be blessed to have him on their roster or Absolutely. on their staff. Uh, he's and so smart. I think that. You know, people talk about how the Heat had a disadvantage because they were a smaller team and that led to Anthony Davis just dominating them. But it's also helping out because since they play small, you know, Dwight Howard can only play 14 minutes because of the fact that he can't really run with anybody on the Heat team at this point. And that's in the Heat's best interest because then it puts Green, Caldwell Pope, and guys like Kuzma on the floor more, which, again, Kuzma wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but... I mean, he still probably should take 13 shots. There's also currently a petition going around that... A petition on what? Change.org? That doesn't do anything. Um, it's a, did, did you see what it was? No. It's a petition that if the Lakers win the championship, Kuzma should not get a ring. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I mean, in reality, if, if the Lakers win a championship, Danny Green shouldn't win a ring. But people just don't like Kuzma for a lot of reasons. So. Did Dion get a ring? He will get a ring regardless. So. But should he? I mean, for the meme of it, yes. Yes. I think why he's not on the heat anymore. We had the era of super teams. Now we're going to have the era of signing with both finals teams. <laughs> I mean, how, yeah, how many years in a row has this happened? A lot. Because, like, I mean, we had Patrick and we had a couple players that went from the Cavs to the Warriors and vice versa. So, 
It's been what four years running. Look, this is just a new definition of ring chasing. All right. Yeah. You gotta you gotta secure the bag any way that you can. The fact the fact that Dion Waiters will have the same amount of NBA championship rings as Kevin Garnett is something hey, to think about. I mean, it, Patrick, any, Patrick possible, McCall has how man? many? <laughs> what? How, how many rings did Patrick McCall have? Um, have he one? has three. He has th Jesus. He has well, three. Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot. I forget the Warriors were you know dominant. You know, I forgot about that part. Uh, so I mean, yeah, like Jack said, anything's possible. I mean, it's just it's just funny to me how that's gonna work. Really, game really four argument a little weird. Game four, Lakers Heat. Lakers seven half point favorite tomorrow. Are you guys still feeling Lakers? I mean, I think I think we're all still feeling Lakers a little bit, but I mean, I know I had the Lakers in five games, and that hasn't really changed for me yet. And it had, did, did anybody have second thoughts about that? I, I mean, I'm having second thoughts, but I do think that the Lakers are going to win the series. Whether it's in five or six, it, Lakers are going to get it done. Yeah. Like, I don't think – I will say if the Heat win tomorrow night, then my second thoughts will increase. But I think if the, the Heat get another one, I, I think the Lakers are going to win tomorrow night, and then the Heat might get another one. Yeah. But, I don't think that he will win tomorrow night. Fair. That's fair enough. We'll see what happens when the Lakers meet the Heat in game four of the NBA Finals. All right. Let's go over to the NFL. I don't know where you guys want to begin with the NFL because there are a couple avenues that you can take. I mean, we can obviously talk about what's going on tonight where we have, we have two Monday Night Football games. So today's going to be a good day. Yeah. Uh, except for uh, except for Cam, yeah, except for Cam, which I don't know, I don't know if you guys had the Bleacher Report app, but they sent a push notification yesterday about you know Cam's in good spirits, and the photo that they used oh, made no. me seem like Cam was not looking good. It was all You're like, talking about the is it the photo of him in the car with the mask down? Yeah, it was in black yeah. and white, and I was like, he posted he posted it on his Instagram. Yeah, um, I, I know, and I'm like, you know. Everyone's talking about Cam, pictures. but is Jordan Tamu okay? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I hope so. Jack, until the Chiefs really need him. <laughs> when Under I, my when I, and peas. when I was over at your place and you pointed out on the ESPN bottom line that Jordan Tamu, the quarterback for the Chiefs, had COVID, I didn't know where he was until you did that. So <laughs> I don't think anybody knew where he was. Nope. So. I don't know. We'll see. That game, which Kansas City is a 10.5-point favorite, and did, has New England named a starting quarterback? Is it Jarrett Stidham or is it Brian Hoyer? It'll be Hoyer. Probably I don't think they named that officially, but it'll be Hoyer. Okay. Well, dang. I wanted... That's unfortunate. I know. It makes it way less exciting. The Chiefs 10.5-point favorites. and the best, the best hair in football to the worst. <laughs> and now, uh, that game is still up in the air because in case there are any more positive tests this morning which usually news about positive tests breaks around while we're doing the show so we may know before this thing's over I got uh, Twitter refreshing right now so I'll let y'all know if, uh, if that game is postponed because of positive tests we'll, we'll see what happens we know what's happening with uh, I oh, thought for a second serious. I thought for a second I thought that was it but it wasn't uh, I just uh, uh, a school in Georgia eliminated spring break, so uh, Auburn students be prepared. I guess that may happen. Yeah. I don't know. 
Alabama canceled it too. Oh, anyway, that that's a different subject. Back to the NFL. Back to the NFL. Uh, if that game gets canceled, we know what happened with Tennessee Steelers. We know that's going to what week seven. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how the NFL deals with that. But outside of that, uh, we haven't talked about it. The Jets lost the toilet bowl, and Adam Gase still does have a job. So unfortunately, I guess the tank is on for New York. Um, uh, about that, there's a story going around that apparently the Jets management believes firing Adam Gase would quote set Sam Darnold back, which I find very difficult. To hiring Adam Gase set yeah, Sam Darnold that, back. That's the point. Yes, that's Sam that's Darnold the sacked himself. That that is yes, that is entirely the point. Yes, it, but you know, Jets gonna Jets. I don't know what else to do. I mean, there, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of different avenues that we can take uh, from Saturday's games. I think the the biggest ones that we can do is that, you know, uh, Tom Brady is still pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, the man was slinging it. Uh, so NFC South, beware, I guess. But on the other hand, uh, speaking of the NFC South, I would say, and I was sitting there and I was thinking about this, was that the most complete dominant game the Panthers had in a long time? Because, I mean, they, it seemed like from the from the jump, the Panthers were on top of things. I think they had a great first quarter and then played a pretty good game the rest of the, the way. They had, they had good defensive stops. The, uh, the the Joe Brady offense kind of found its stride again. It actually looked a lot like a Cam Newton led offense. Uh, just th- th- those those empty boots that were they they would they would run they would run what looked to be a power out the left and then Teddy would wheel back right wide open. I mean that looked that was a that's a Cam Newton trademark play that has been co opted by Teddy Two Gloves and it, it it seems like the offense has found what works after after four weeks finally. Uh, Teddy knows his role. He knows he can, hey, if, if it's open, he can run 20 yards downfield through traffic and score a touchdown. But he can also, um, if it's a flat, I mean, I think on three different occasions, they ran a play action flat with uh, with Ian Thomas heading breaking for the sideline. And Teddy said, I'll do it myself and probably picked up more than he than Ian Thomas would have if he had tossed it. So. Teddy's figuring out his his athletes around him, which is always a question when you when you get thrown into a new team like this, especially if you're Teddy Bridgewater and you've been thrown around so many different teams, had to battle back from injury, and you're on a team that's partially rebuilding and without its star offensive player. So, uh, are we going to see any Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton who T-shirts? Probably not because the the team is still missing them. But the offense is serviceable. Joe Brady's doing his job. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting debate whether the Joe Brady hire or the Matt Rule hire did more for the team this season. Um, I think I think time will tell. But as it looks like right now, the offense has picked up in a way that I I think the Carolina has been missing for years, going back all the way to the Shula era, and the offense has really found its stride in a way that Cam Newton kind of had to drag the rest of the team into doing so. And it, it's just a real shame that these. These two eras couldn't have lined up in Charlotte. Yeah, I I just think Bridgewater's comfortable. Like he wasn't at first. It was, it he wasn't terrible, but 
you know, there was definitely room for improvement, and I think he's starting to find that improvement. And especially without McCaffrey, he's gonna he's figuring it out. And uh, I guess we'll see how this team does whenever McCaffrey's back and healthy, because it could they could stick into a wild card spot. There's three spots available this year, so I'm not gonna say the Panthers will make a wild card spot, but it doesn't look like a team that's tanking. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I was impressed with what I saw what from the Panthers, um, and I think that they have a they have a pretty good thing going, uh, especially with I mean when 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 McCaffrey went down, right? It was kind of oh no, but now it's like okay. I mean this team can still this team can still surprise you uh, on on Sundays. So I think that's pretty good that they haven't lost too much of a step with McCaffrey out, which I think is always a good thing when you lose one of your best players. Are you saying it was the oh no? Anyway, yes, that, that meme. <laughs> yes, uh, another game that happened. The Vikings finally got a win, uh, thirty-one to twenty-three over the Texans. The Texans are now zero and four, and Deshaun Watson must be wondering to himself what he's doing right now because, uh, ooh, I don't know. You should demand a trade. I mean, Bill O'Brien has destroyed that franchise. He's going yeah. to Jimbo Fisher the Texans. GM this is gonna end up Bill happening. Huh? GM Bill O'Brien? GM or head, co- or head coach Bill O'Brien? Coach and martyr. No, not martyr's the wrong word. Uh Raider. Sadist. Bill O'Brien. Yes, Sadist. We'll go with that too. Just start just start throwing out adjectives for him. Because yeah. what, what he's doing is completely he the the state of Texas, the Texas Attorney General, which I believe he's uh on bribery charge. Oh, he's been accused of bribery. But that's neither here nor there. The Texas Attorney General should bring up charges against Bill O'Brien for what he's done to Deshaun Watson. It I should mean, be a it should be a hate crime. It he is, must hate him. They are um they are spending two hundred and fifty million dollars on the roster this year, most in the league. They are 0 four. They have no first or second round picks next year. They are pretty much as it currently stands it has to be one of the worst teams in the league for a long time simply because of the fact that they've spent money where they don't need to spend it gotten rid of their best players they still have an offensive line to protect their quarterback and they have no draft picks so i mean the first few weeks we were kind of excusing them we we're saying oh they played some of the best teams in the league but it's hard to use that excuse the whole year yeah Which, I, make, but- I make better decisions on madden than that man does in real life yeah and I and I trade all my assets and I tank on purpose. Yeah. I, I mean, mean yeah, Washington just, is tanking right now, and they're still they're not even worse than the Texans by numbers at least. The the thing is, O'Brien just seems so full of himself. Yep. And I really don't know what's gonna change. I mean, it. I think Houston's kind of too far in to where they can turn this thing around at anytime soon. I mean. The best thing they can do is get rid of O'Brien as soon as possible, and it's still not going to matter because they're still going to be screwed for the next several years. These are just such a terrible spot. So, I mean, I don't know. I would say this, and this may sound a little ridiculous, but if in rebuilding this team, their best, I mean, the best thing they can do is to trade Deshaun Watson, really. Because you could get a handful of draft picks for a yeah. very bad team. Washington would probably give up their next three first-round picks for them. 
which Washington will be bad Get for the Wayne Haskins out of here. No, I mean, I mean, really, like, if because as it stands right now, I mean, he is gonna. I mean, they need draft picks. They just there's nothing else. There's no other way to say it. They need draft picks to fix something because they have a million holes in that team that they need to plug, and they don't have the money to do anymore. So they just need draft picks, and I. I don't know, man. It's, There's about to be a fire sale in Houston. It's crazy how bad it's gotten so fast. Like, and you mentioned Jacob. Like, they could go eight and four to finish the season, and they would still finish eight and eight. Like, that's how. And they're not going to go eight and four because they're terrible. So, zero and yeah. four is is a hole. I mean, yeah, you're talking about zero and two teams that have made the playoffs after zero and two. You got to circle the wagons if you're zero and four. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got to you know win nine of your next twelve, which most teams can't do anyway. Looking at Atlanta tonight. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I will s- watch that game. I will say this: uh, Houston is not the only city in Texas that's currently on fire, and that is what brings me to this. And hopefully, this goes well uh, because there's no other way I can get uh-huh. you guys to hear this without. I, I, uh... Roll, roll, roll the clip. Gee, this is all. This is just so loud, but. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and roll it for you guys. Go, you Dallas Cowboys, go! So, should he be fired? Absolutely. Will he be fired? Never. I'm telling you, he loved him since Jason Garrett, okay? Jason Garrett can lose every game. It doesn't matter. I dwell on the past. Well, to be fair, they did get rid of Jason Garrett, so there's yeah, that. Yeah, my cold take lives in infamy. But what was your cold take? That Jer- Jason Garrett... Should he be? Should he be fired? Oh. Yeah. Will he be fired? Never. Right. I, I could tell that. Was you Which was going to go cold eventually. It just went colder than we thought it would. Yeah. I mean, the, the Dallas Cowboys played such a bad game that they blocked an extra point and still give up two points. Whew. That was the craziest play I've ever seen. Really. I've never like, seen that. If you need any divine intervention that God hates you, that's it. We don't know. It only would have been crazier <laughs> if they got the one-point safety. That's true. Okay, fair. Also, um, I will say it's important to uh, – th- that has happened before um, with the Cowboys. It happened to Carolina uh, in 2017. Really? The Saints, yeah. The Saints blocked an extra point and ran it back. No. Well, but yeah. um, Leon let – yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was gonna say. Is the the Leon left thing where they just you oh. didn't you didn't have to touch it. You could have just you, you could have let it lie, but no. So the, that, the, that's actually that's in the Cowboys corner extended intro. <laughs> well, we don't want to break that out. Not until things go really I mean, bad. Is, is, is like, you guys, you guys got anywhere there? to be because we can sit here for three minutes and listen to the Cowboys corner. Wait, intro. is that the Cowboys corner thing that's on the array? Yes. I've always wanted to click that. Yeah, I if you, if you ever want to put Cowboys Corner on your show, Alex, I mean, it's right there. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll consider it in the future because I was always wondering what that was. The crazy oh. thing is, in, in the Saints version, the Saints were the defensive team that blocked it and returned it for two points, correct? Yes, the Saints were blocking. 
the Browns attempted the extra point, got it blocked, picked it up themselves, and scored. Yeah, that's where it gets weird. Okay, I got you. That is some. That is some. No, I mean, it's not. It's not. Hey, and it's not the college extra points where it's from the three yard line. They were kicking that thing from like where they kicked from like seventeen, something like that. Something like that. It. It would be as if I mean, it'd be as if you took like the kick six from the Iron Bowl and Alabama somehow scored a touchdown to win it off of that. Be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Like it's the same principle applies, but that just shouldn't happen. Ever. The Browns put up 49 points, and, I mean, let me tell you something. I mean, part of that does go to the fact that the Browns do play the Colts next week, okay? There is part of that. Uh, But, man, the Cowboys are, I mean, they're, they're trash. They're awful. They're, they're, they're trash. They're awful. They're 1-3, yeah. and three, and I think technically... That, and that one win would not have happened if it weren't for the Falcons just exactly. being completely just... Inept. Yeah. Yeah. And the only, the only reason that Dallas is not tied for Washington at the top of the division is because the Eagles have a tie. <laughs> <laughs> that is what this world has come to. I mean, I it, think a, a great snapshot of the game yesterday for the Cowboys was, um, let's see, Cowboys making a comeback. They're driving. I think they're, or the Browns are driving. I think Cowboys are up down four. Four minutes left in the game. They just need to get a stop here on the Browns to get the ball back, maybe have a chance to take the lead. Cleveland runs a double reverse with OBJ, where I believe he gets to about 25 yards from behind the line of scrimmage, hit the freeze frame there, and then do a multiple-choice question on, do the, <laughs> do the Browns score a touchdown on this play? Yeah. So the answer is yes. OBJ, I think, probably covered 100 yards of turf on one play. And just made the Cowboys look foolish. So when I was watching that live, I'm sitting here and I'm Oh, thinking, you watched it live? I turned yeah. it off. So the I'm like, oh man, the Cowboys are going to get a stop. Oh my gosh, they're going to win the game. I cannot believe the Browns choked. And then they do the reverse and, you know, I'm in the middle of about to make, make the statement, oh my God, what a stupid play. Why would you run a double reverse when you just could run it up the middle? And then OBJ turns on the Jets and I'm just like in a freeze and I'm just like, there's and then, no... like, they showed Dak also making the same face. And then my roommate's like, hey, that's you. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I could not <laughs> I could not understand how it escalated so quickly from 10-yard loss to 75-yard jet sweep touchdown. There's no such thing as a bad offensive play against this Cowboys defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I shudder at the fact that I may see a better performance out of Auburn to play this Cowboys defense today than they against Georgia. I mean, this Cowboys defense is putting out some, 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 some. They, I would say they're pulling people out of the stands. Unfortunately, there's no, there's nobody there really. Yeah. So, uh, and unfortunately, their worst players are the ones they like. Jalen Smith, like, was horrendous yesterday, and he just got the fat contract. Demarcus Lawrence basically has disappeared off the face of the planet. He also got. The large contract. So, if you want to take a snapshot at the NFC East, uh, every single team in that division has a negative point differential. The Cowboys had the best at negative twenty, but every single team has gotten the bricks beaten off of them. Yep. And if it wasn't for the Eagles showing up against 
the 49ers where half of their roster is in uh, is in the hospital or on, or on IR, right? Where the 49ers use two different quarterbacks, right? It and you won by five. I mean, this they are the worst division in the NFL. Yep, they absolutely are. Uh, and with, I'm happy about it. Hey, I at mean, the end of the day, think about it. I, as a Washington fan, could be one win away from a di- from the division title or one win away from even like the tenth pick in the draft. Not that. And I mean, they expanded the playoffs, so you may you may sneak in as that last seed. Who knows? No, the NFC is too stacked, especially out west. Uh, to be fair, out west, all of them have a positive point differential, with the Cardinals being plus six. Washington has gone into halftime down by double digits for six straight games. In their 85-year history, that is the most of all time. Oh. Let's see. Was there anything else that happened uh, on Sunday that we need to kind of go? There was a, a brawl between the Giants and the Rams at the end of the game. That did happen. I have one thing. Yes, Alex. Um, everybody's favorite coach, Matt Patricia, decided to say something stupid again. Because Jim Alex, Caldwell, what did he say? In his four years of Detroit, Jim Caldwell went eleven and five, seven and nine, nine and seven, then nine and seven again. The Browns or the, the Lions are like, nope, gotta fire this man. Matt Patricia says, When I came to Detroit, there was a lot of work to do, and that's what we're trying to do. Despite the fact that Jim Caldwell won nine games in his last year, and Matt Patricia won nine games in total in his first two years as the Lions head coach. So in short, Matt Patricia's an idiot. I mean, that's harsh, but also the correct thing to say. Because he has single-handedly destroyed this franchise and wasted the last few good years of Matt Stafford that the Lions will have. So, I mean, it's it's honestly kind of pathetic. It's Trevor Lawrence, Tom. Kind of sad. Honestly. It is sad. It makes me feel really bad for Jim Caldwell. Yeah, exactly, because, like... Like, you see this goofball running the show that you got fired from? Like, who were the Lions to like fire? Like, if I woke up one day and Alex was hosting the Extra Point. It's true. That's a good comparison, though. Who's this goofball? <laughs> I am hurt by this, Jack. I mean, like, oh. yeah, Jared was great. I mean, he was okay. He was serviceable. <laughs> I got to oh, the playoffs. Let's see, let's, see if I can, let's see if I can insult Jacob here, too. Hold on. <laughs> Come on, I have, I've hosted Extra Point a few, uh, for I did for a semester, and no disasters while I was the host. So I hosted I an episode, and then the world ended. So. <laughs> that is true. Jack hosted an episode, made a joke about Paul George being on the Pacers, and me and Davis really had to question if he was serious. So that's about the best moment from that. <sighs> he is right, though. If you ever host Extra Point, I'm probably dead, or I quit, and I ran off to. What's a random country that I can a name? Beach in Mexico. Not nope. even a beach Don't in Mexico. We won't let it happen. I'd probably run off to like um, Barbados. There are worse places. I, I, yeah, I feel like that's somewhere I'd run off to. Uh, other than that, I mean the 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 Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday went pretty decently well for everybody. The Bengals, Joe Burrow got his first win, so. Alex, I don't care about Washington. You lost. You were supposed to lose. I know, I know. I just, I just, I just want to make sure we were, we were clear on something because I was like, I mean, well, that's not. Do you want me to bring up Washington so we make, we made fun of you? Y'all only lost by fourteen, so this yeah. weekend went better than it could have gone. Yeah. Right. That's actually. Yeah. That's actually Be happy. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, the Bills are gonna win the AFC championship. 
Whoa. Right. <laughs> I buy it. I'm look, with you, Jared. Look, I mean, hey, I, you're behind me on Kyle Trask. I'm behind you on the Buffalo Bills. Heck yeah. Look, when uh, when uh, two weeks ago, when we were all picking our AFC Championship teams, and I was left with the scraps and I had to pick the Bills, okay? I was like, I'm going to ride this train. I'm riding it. They're my new 49ers. So when I have a Bills jersey come February, don't say nothing. I mean, the fact that, like, everybody seemed to have bullied Josh Allen to being an MVP candidate is kind of hilarious. Like, he See, was so bad. Bullying works. I, no, yeah, I will admit, I doubt it. Ever since, like, since he got drafted, I doubt him. I would yeah. – I mean, I saw a tweet about how it was, like, the Bills traded up uh, to take him over Josh Rosen, how that was a terrible trade or whatever. <laughs> you know, did, I would have – well, I don't know. I didn't like Rosen either, so I might have been, like – yeah. You're, whoever you take, you're screwed. But I never thought in any world Josh Allen would be even an average quarterback. I mean, listen listen to his numbers year by year. You've got um, – let's see if I can get the year by year. You've got first year, five and six. They get, they went five and six when he was played. 52% completion percentage, 2,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Tebow stats. The next year, 58.8% better. 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, nine interceptions, but he looked pretty bad against uh, t- the Texans in the playoffs. Everyone was like, okay, maybe. Oh, yeah, when, when, he, when, he, when he went erratic on that two-minute yeah. drive and started exactly. just doing random exactly. things. And now 70.9% completion percentage, 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns and one interception, not to mention the fact he's not even running the ball nearly as much as he used to. He's basically just become a pocket passer. I mean, you're, uh, all you're saying run, is – It works. That's true. That's true. That's because he's huge and nobody can seem to stop him. But it's just, it's just crazy to me that what has happened. What you're saying is Josh Allen is going to be right behind Russell Wilson for MVP. I mean, at this point? At this point, yeah. Because, I mean, if, if they go 12-4 and four and he keeps it up, yeah. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, if they are as good as they seem to be. Well, their, their next two games are against – Yeah, I thought we were so we hope. somebody, Jack. When yeah. A-Rod drops 700 on the Falcons tonight. That, that is true. Rodgers is in contention for it, but – And Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Well, you know, no. I was, I was, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that guy. And, no, yeah. no, I know that, but I was going to say voter fatigue is going gonna, is gonna to affect Mahomes and Lamar very significantly. Gordon Ta'amu's storybook redemption from COVID-19. Jack, no. That's true. I mean, with voter fatigue, though, I mean, Josh Allen could take a lot of those, you know, middle-of-the-pack voters that don't know who to pick. Because – sounds, I mean, like, sounds like you're talking about an election now. What? It sounds like you're talking about an election now. I mean, that's what BBC say. voting – We're steamrolling toward a contested convention, Jared. Patrick oh Mahomes we are. doesn't have the delegates, even though he won Iowa. We, we could get an NBA situation where people pick Mahomes or pick Allen and then the Chiefs beat the Bills in the playoffs by like 40. It's well, like, oh. the next two games the Bills play are against, God willing, the Titans, right, if everything goes correctly over there, and then the Chiefs. So if we're about to figure out how good this Bills team is yeah. against these next two teams. Decent teams. Titans, yeah. decent. Chiefs. But on average, good. they're a good team. Yeah. You, you take them together. Chiefs, I don't know if they've done them. I don't know if the Chiefs have done them last year, but I feel like they're a pretty good team, you know what I'm saying? Huh. Uh, so we'll All see right. what happens there. But – Speaking of the Chiefs, tonight, playing the Patriots, 10.5-point favorite. And then an hour later, the Falcons play the Packers. By the way, the Packers line is dropping. Uh, it was 6.5. It's down to 6 now. Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams is not playing. 
does that even matter when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback? I mean, yeah. I could throw Jacob out there, and he would get about six receptions for about eighty yards and two touchdowns. But I mean, Jared, when you look at when you look at their the rest of their supporting cast, yeah. I mean, but it's the they, Falcons. It is. It is Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, and a bunch of scrubs. It's the Falcons, and they have they have Dan Quinn. I mean, if if we're playing an RPG, Dan Quinn gives you negative ten to all stats. That's just how that works. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. But I assume this whole group is going Chiefs and then Packers. Yeah. I don't see any reason why uh, we, we would go anything different. Taking a look at the NFL Pick'em standings, Alex, you are still in first place at 43-16. and 16. Woo! Uh, Bay and Davis are tied at second at 40-19. and 19. Me and Jack are tied at fourth at 39 and 20. Jack is making a comeback. And Jacob at 34 and 25. Uh, in college football standing pick em, I took over first place at 26 and 14. Davis a game back at 25 and 15. Alex and Bay tied at 24 and 16. Jack also tied at 24 and 16, a three way tie for third. And Jacob at 22 and 18. Now, as we switch over to the MLB uh, on this last segment, in the extra point playoff gauntlet, me and Jacob tie for first place. There you go, Jacob. There you go. Uh, I got that at, at least. At 10 points. Carter and Bay tied. Thank God at, for the Marlins. <laughs> yeah, thank God for the Marlins. Right? And if you would have just picked the Braves, you'd be in first place right now. If you just believed. Well, I still don't have any faith in them. We've got to play the freaking Marlins, and the Marlins don't lose in the postseason. Uh, Carter and Bay tied at third at nine points. Alex and fifth at eight points. And Davis and Jack tied at six with seven points. Uh, I'm trying to go for the extra point triple crown with winning all three of these. I just need to catch up and NFL pick them. That's something new I, I did last night. I'm going to double the extra point triple crown. This is a, this is our triple crown right now. Oh my goodness. I'm going for it. Uh, but uh, speaking of the MLB uh, division round starts today in the pick. <laughs> in the AL uh, in the AL and uh, I believe the Astros, yep, Astros and Athletics that game's at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central, uh, and then Yankees Rays at 8 Eastern, 7 Central later tonight uh, I can't stand both of these series, I'm going to hate both of them I don't want the Astros to win, and I I dread the thought of the Yankees losing to the Rays right now in the playoffs. I just can't. I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. I may actually commit a hate crime against Devil Rays if uh if if they win this series. Uh, the extra point playoff gauntlet, uh, the new setup is out for you guys to fill out. Uh, hopefully that's what you're looking at right now. But um, it's a uh, it's different this time around. This time, you're picking uh, the winner and the game together. If you get the winner and the game correct, uh, and the number of games correct, you get two points. If you just get the winner correct, it's one point. If you don't get any of them correct, it's zero points. And then superlatives, uh, I, off the top of my head, it's superlatives like who's going to be swept. Is this just being lazy again? Uh, pretty much. Things that we have to just put explicitly so you don't have to look back at it. Uh, the, these are a lot better. It's like, uh, who's most likely, uh, or I think one of them's like, um, who's, uh, going to get shut out the most in the divisional mm-hmm. round. And, you know, 
and all that. Who's going to hit the most home runs? Which we already know who the answer to that is. Uh, who's going to have the longest game innings-wise? Things like that. So they're, they're better superlatives. I put a lot more thought into these than I did the other ones. I'm just picking blindly. We'll see what happens. Well, I mean, there's a reason why you're in fifth place. But, I mean, let's talk about yeah. uh, let's talk about the playoffs. Uh, Astros, Athletics, Yankees, and Rays tonight. The Yankees are favored. I, I do want to point that out, which I, I thought was kind of weird. That, 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 that shouldn't be right. The, the, the Rays should be favored. Uh, because I, I feel like they are the more complete team than the Yankees, but they're not. And I find that very weird. Um... And the A's and Astros are going to be squaring off in what should be a fun matchup as the Astros look to continue their run through the playoffs, I guess. Uh, And then tomorrow uh, at 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 Central, you'll have Marlins taking on the Braves. The Braves are favored in that matchup. And then later that night, you'll have, and this is the NL side, at 9.30 Eastern, 8.30 Central, Dodgers, Padres. Uh, A's Athletics will be at uh, four thirty Eastern, three thirty Central, while the Rays and Yankees will be at eight Eastern, seven Central. What do we think about this division around? Exciting matchup. Exciting matchups. Well, it's nice to have two divisional mat or three divisional matchups. Uh, well, you have Yankees, Rays. You have Yankees, Rays, A's, uh, Astros, and Braves, Marlins. Yeah, I don't think there will be as many upsets this and uh, the divisional series as there was. In oh, the we also have a now. I know my baseball knowledge is very low. Oh, we also have a uh, Padres Dodgers, right? Yeah. Oh my. There you go. See, I know baseball. Uh, I feel those. It's exciting. I mean, I know my Cardinals literally let me down. They so the whole NL series. Central. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that. Well, 0 for 4 in a central? Yeah. yeah. The car, it, <laughs> NL Central went from best division in baseball, four teams in the playoffs, to yikes. They are essentially the NFC East. And at least the Cardinals had a chance. And they, they, they got bit by Slam Diego. I know why they have the nickname now. And boy, did I, did I learn the hard way. Uh, has any team surprised you so far through the wild card round? Is there any team that you weren't high on, but now it's like Astros? All right, Astros, the Marlins, yeah, Marlins. Alex, what about you? I know Helena picked the Marlins, but man, I did not. Yeah. When they they went into Wrigley in the freezing cold and hung five on, and then I mean once once you Darvish came out the pen, it was <laughs> that was the game. Put a fork in it. <laughs> Alex? I mean, the easy pick being the Astros, but that may be more on the Twins' ineptitude. So I would say the A's beating the White Sox. Yeah. I, I, Don't break up that series with me. Tragedy. I mean, that's – I mean, that's. I mean, you saw what the extra point – we, we all picked the White Sox. Oh, yeah, I know about that. Just because, I mean, you know, you talk about how the, the Astros win was on the Twins. I mean, the A's have had about as much ineptitude in the playoffs as anybody else. I mean, they have failed consistently. Yeah, but they have a, they have a movie behind them, though. Oh, no, absolutely. Eh, the movie makes them look great, sort of. Not really. It's complicated. But, I I've mean, never seen it. It's a good movie. I recommend. But, I mean, it is. No. 
But I think that one just surprised me just because, I mean, I've, there's been so many years I remember where the A's looked like this great team in the regular season and they just kind of faltered again in the playoffs. So the fact that they right. was like, hey, it's good for them. I, I would not – I, like said, I mean, I don't know why y'all picked the White Sox for me. I just thought the White Sox were, you know, they're – I thought they were better. The best teams in the AL. I yeah. mean, straight up. Yeah, I thought they were better. That they were seven seeds crazy to me. I mean, I think there's a lot of motivation for Oakland in this one because for the past three years, they've had to play second fiddle to the Astros, and they've been forced relegated as a good team into the wild card game, which they lost the past two years to the Yankees in 2018 to the Rays last year. Um, and a wild card game, take it with what you will, but it's it's not an entirely fair way of deciding the last playoff team uh, with just a one-game metric. And I think... I don't. The, the A's just have a lot of motivation in this one to take. I mean, at, they they would have been a division winner in a lot of divisions these past two years, and then just because they've had to sit sit behind the Astros, they had to take a back seat and get bounced out of the playoffs. So now there's a lot of bad blood between these two teams. Look, and, I'll tell you what. Go ahead. The Jake. Braves surprised me. The Braves surprised me. Like in like in all honesty, like a little bit of me picking the Reds is just because you know, haha, Braves in playoffs, whatever. But. I did not expect the Braves to pitch the way they did and in the second game come through in the clutch like they did with Duvall and Ozuna hitting those home runs in the eighth inning. Right. Because who knows what if, if you know, if it's only one nothing going into the ninth, who knows what happens? The Reds might have figured something out, but they had to be a lot more aggressive in the ninth inning because they were down five runs instead of one. I think it was just a dominant pitching performance, which – Did you know, the Reds score the at series, all? No. no. That's – because – the. All I get from the Braves of what you guys tell me and going to that series, it, it was the Braves bullpen was shaky at best. And the fact that no. the Reds did not score Why, at all. How did you get that? Was no, the starting Braves rotation. bullpen or the starting rotation? The starting rotation shaky at best. The starting the rotation is okay. great. The starting rotation is shaky at great. best. Yes. Reed came in game one, Sorry. did great. I got that yeah. backwards. And then really? Anderson. Well, to be fair, you, start. you only had two starters. It wasn't a full a full rotation. You only had to throw out your two best guys. Yeah. Uh, so it could still come to play. The rotation right now, you got Freed Anderson, who did great in the wild card, and you got Kyle Wright, who I don't trust it. And after that, I guess it's bullpen games. <laughs> the, yeah. the, this is how much I've kept up with the Braves uh, in the last couple of years. I, I would look at the rotation. I was like, man, where are these guys at? Like, where's where's Fulte at? Where's 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 Julio Tehran at? I was like, so, where are these guys at? Fulte was here until he played against the Rays and got did he shelled. Get, did he get DFA'd? That's what I saw, and I was like, man, or, you hate to see uh, it. I mean, it, I think he got DFA'd in the middle of that game that he started. Oh, the stat damn. that ESPN kept showing was that the Rays are on a twenty-eight scoreless postseason inning pitch streak. Which yes, that's the that's the twenty three or that's the 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 twenty two that they pitched scoreless against the Reds, but that also dates back to the six scoreless they pitched against the Cardinals in Game Five, which I don't think is entirely fair because I think up ten the Cardinals weren't really swinging for the fences. No, so maybe just leave that stat. <laughs> leave that in the pass. Maybe could could consolidate it consolidated to this season. Just say scoreless in this postseason. Uh, I will say for the A's, you're right about them playing behind the Astros. And they're, they're playing for a city. Now that the Raiders are gone, Oakland 
That's A's country now. There's no other good team in that city. Yeah, I said it. Okay, Jared. I said it. Yeah. Come at man. me, Warriors fans. Was it three three NBA championships in the last decade, or is it only two? Who? What, I don't, I don't know who that team is. The, the one that had the second uh, the second pick in the draft? Yeah, I don't know who that is. Well, they don't even claim Oakland. They think they're the whole state. Yeah. So it's it's the A's city now. Uh, I guess just to end off the whole show, yes, Alex. So were you asking about the uh, COVID tests for the – wait, you were asking about the Patriots game, weren't you? Yes. Oh, uh, never mind. Wait who, wait, who is this for, though? That, that's still so, a big uh, question. Right. Uh, so for the first time in seven days, the Titans had no positive tests. So just got that notification. Oh, wait, that was two out. What the fudge? Never mind. Alex, I didn't know where that was going, but I got scared. <laughs> I be honest, same here. I thought I'll have to censor the show. I wasn't about to say it on the air, everybody. My goodness. I thought I'll let me so upset. You're gonna make me go back and edit, and I don't, I don't want to do that. Jared, you're out here talking about doing cocaine, and you're like, all right, Alex, don't do I didn't say that on the show. I never said the word. I never said that word. I'm not censoring it now. <laughs> Alex, come on, man. You're falling apart. I know we're, we're out We're out We were doing in. so good. We were doing so good. And then out, she just brought it off the rails in the last minute of the show. Literally, Jared's ready to wrap it up. And then Alex oh, just derails. Like, Hold on, guys. I have two-hour-old news. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. I could have sworn it was like it just came up as if it was new. And then it's like, oh, posted two hours ago. <laughs> I have no idea. I mean... That's me when I get a Canvas notification about a test I took yesterday. Just got graded. So, MLB playoffs start today. ALDS today. And then it goes over to tomorrow with the NLDS starting as well. Uh, I won't ask you guys, you know, who you're picking or anything like that. I'll let the Google form speak for itself. So, make sure that you go ahead and, and fill that out. Because I always love going through that and just seeing what everybody says. Uh, but, if we had to... Pick a team uh, that uh, we're really high up on right now. I just want to throw a team name and we'll just call it a day. Uh, Alex, who's that team for you right now? The that team just, that what? That we're just really high up on to win the World Series right now after what um, we've seen. I mean, when in doubt, go with the Dodgers. Just Win in doubt, go with the That's Dodgers. That's a terrible pick. <laughs> I'm going to say, what? In a, the record is pretty good. That's why we're going off it at this point. I don't know. Do you not? understand they have Clayton Kershaw who is the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde of the playoffs I get it I get it it's just the fact that I'm looking I'm looking at the playoffs overall and I do not trust the Marlins or the Braves so there's that I mean I don't trust if Houston somehow beats the A's I don't think they're gonna win it just because I don't think they're gonna if the A's beat Houston again I there's it seems like most of these teams I can't trust all the way so I'm gonna go with the Dodgers maybe I'll be right who knows Jacob, it's the one team you had to pick to win it all right now just because you love them. Who is it? The Rays. Starting pitching. Always comes through. Jack? We got Rays with the balance. We got Padres with the explosions. Uh, I'll stick with the Yankees. I'll stick with the Yankees. <laughs> I'll also say cool. I like the Padres. They fought back from down 0-1. Yeah, I mean, that, that yeah. shows a lot of grit, especially when you're missing two of your best pitchers. Who... I haven't heard any news, but hopefully that they're back. I've heard Clevenger probable. I don't know. We hope. But uh, if the Padres can get back up to full strength, I mean, that's a dangerous team. But they got to get through. Uh, they did. They the kind of got first. manhandled by the Dodgers during the regular season. So, yeah. Hey, things change on October. 
You never know. Is that October, uh, October surprise, I guess, uh, the best way that I can put it. But that does it for the show today. So thank you guys for joining me on the program for whatever this was. It was a, it was a fun Monday, even if we started with Auburn disappointing us on Saturday. So it was fun. Uh, make sure that not only can you check out this episode later, uh, at, uh, noon, but you can also check out the extra point September highlights as well. That's available right now on Spotify. Yeah. On, on, on the, the Weagle family of, of networks, I guess we used to call it, uh, on Spotify, iTunes, Apple podcasts, whatever you want to, whatever you want to listen to on, uh, and this show will be live at 345 Central, 445 Eastern on YouTube as a premiere. So make sure you, you jump in and, and you have fun with the rest of the crew. For Alex Houston, Jacob Hillman, and Jack Hart. And shout out Davis Carroll as uh, he got his car towed <laughs> to the mechanic because it died on him. Uh, he texted me last night and he said, I would like to be on the show, but I can't because I got to get my car towed. And when he was telling me about what was wrong with it, he said... It won't turn on, and sometimes when I make turns, the floorboard under me moves, but that's okay. And I was like, this man may not make it through 2020 if that's what's going on. So, (laughs) shout out to Davis. Let's make sure that him and his car make it through. But, for Alex Houston, Jacob Hillman, and Jack Hart, I'm Jared Dill saying thank you for watching and listening to The Extra Point here on WEGL 911 and WEGLFM.com.